Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're excited to be talking about our global surveys uh, discussion that we have with Norbert Orr every month. He's a brilliant guy who brings us lots of great information. Lou, I'm I'm excited to talk about it, mostly because everything's above 50. <laughs> well, not, not only that, uh, the numbers show that America is great. I think we have the best numbers in the world, according to the report. So that's always that's always good. Makes me feel good. Yeah, it certainly is. Norbert, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Norbert's our senior international correspondent. He follows 18 global PMI surveys, and he also follows the U.S. surveys. So we're always interested in what you have to share with our listeners. Norbert, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you, Tim. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things I, I want to mention to start with is uh, because not, not everybody has probably heard us in the past. Uh, 50 is a magic number when it comes to business surveys, uh, not only domestically but globally. And uh, 50 is the point at which uh, expansion in the manufacturing sector is taking place or contraction in the manufacturing. If it's below 50, it would be contraction. So uh, the farther it is away from 50, the uh, stronger it is. So a 60 reading uh, would be, this month would be, 20% higher than last month in terms of the the rate of change. And that's what uh-huh. we're, we're dealing with is, is the rate of change, really, of the rate of change that's taking place. And by measuring change, uh, we're making assumptions about the economy that historically have held true from that. So uh, you might keep that in mind. That 50, 50, above 50 is a good number. Farther away from, uh, higher it is compared to 50, the, the better the number is. And by the way, manufacturers who are listening to this can participate in this survey by sending Norbert or an email, or you can send one into info at mfgtalkradio.com, and we'll shoot it over to Norbert, and he'll get a hold of you and check your, uh, your statistics and some of the information you can provide to see if uh, he can include you in the survey. As a result, you'll get this survey and another one that he puts out each month, uh, the SLIM report, which is the leading indication of manufacturing report that he puts out. So, Norbert, I don't know exactly where to start, except I'm really curious about China and tariffs. Are Chinese manufacturers suffering, or is China doing just fine? Uh I suspect it's actually somewhere in between the two of those. I think they're okay. probably feeling just a little bit of pain. Uh, if we look at the two China surveys uh, that we follow, uh, the uh, China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing Survey, which is considered the official China survey, uh, came in at 50.8. So, again, if we apply the rule, the 50.8 would indicate there's some expansion, but it's a very modest expansion taking place in manufacturing. Uh, that survey has about 4,000 respondents uh, involved in it, so it's, it's a pretty good slice. But what we don't see in out of China is the, the rate of change has not varied uh, that much. If we look at, uh, say, all of 2000 and 
18, we'd find that uh, it's only averaged uh, 51. So 50.8 is pretty much in line with what they've done before. The other survey is the uh, Kai Shen survey. It has more uh, uh, multinational companies in it, and it was uh, at 50 this month. So a reading of 50 means it's just, uh, basically unchanged from the month before. Uh, so it's still a, a bias toward growth, but very slight growth is uh, is the way it's coming out of it. Now, you know, the the big issue with all of this is the, the exceptions that are being made. Uh, how many uh, how, how many different uh, industries are, are impacted? For instance, uh, our largest exporting company is Boeing. And uh, Boeing's biggest customer is China. So oh. uh, are they going to slap a 25% tariff on them? They did, and it's already been removed. And so, <laughs> uh, these, these guys are, are far more pragmatic than it may seem that they are. Uh, the biggest issue is, uh, one, how far do the Chinese really want to go with all of this? Uh, how how uh, how much pressure do they want to extend uh, through agriculture and other things that they buy? Uh, you know, ultimately, I look at this not as a politician, but as a buyer-seller relationship. And whenever the seller makes uh, uh, things difficult for the buyer, and the seller sends messages to the buyer that. Uh, uh, they're not going to do business with them under certain circumstances and those types of things. All that does is encourage a good buyer to develop a second source of supply. Right. And it's just simple uh, uh, everyday business as far as a professional buyer is concerned. Uh, if you're not going to be a good source of supply, then I'm, I'm not going to bring that back. So uh, how much the Chinese relate to that, uh, I think that's another uh, another question: They historically, in my mind, have never been very good buyers. They they tend to jump into a market, for instance, and uh, and want to dominate the market. Whereas a, a good buyer, you you find out uh, after it's all over that they actually got into the market. Uh, you know, Warren Buffett never says, "I'm going to buy such and such a stock next week." He always says, I bought such and such a stock last week. Right. But he knew he was in the market. So I, I don't consider the Chinese to be very anywhere near as adept as a lot of people want to give them credit for. The, the entire, the entire uh, Asian market, uh, how is that as, as a whole? Uh, perform at this particular time. Yeah, that, that's a, a great, uh, great, great question, Lou. Uh, the uh, you know, if you divide Asia, one take China, and and then look at uh, I like to look at Japan, uh, and Japan uh, is in the 52 to 53 range has been uh, since the first of the year. Uh, and is in a good, solid recovery. Uh, South Korea has struggled a whole lot more because, uh, basically because 
much of what they uh, export is big ticket items, and so uh, that has not been as strong uh, for them, and, and uh, so they're working with that. Uh, then uh, I always like to talk about my friends in Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan was down a little bit this month at the 53.9, but for the year they've averaged uh, almost 58. Uh, so, uh, wow. and that includes a, a very, a very low reading uh, for the Chinese New Year. Uh, so, Taiwan is a good indication of what's happening in semiconductors, and uh, and they're doing quite well. The other index that I follow is called the ASEA index, and and that's seven countries: the Philippines, Vietnam, Myanmar, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, and uh, Singapore. Uh, Collectively, they're reporting a 50.5 down from 51, up from 50.4. So collectively, this whole year, uh, they've been at a uh, level just above the midpoint, the average of 50.7. So uh, we we actually uh, would would like to see some of those countries do a little better. Those are the, the... emerging market countries in many cases, uh, and so it's not been that strong. Uh, so overall, I'd give uh, Asia collectively probably a C-plus uh, in terms of how things look there versus in the United States or North America right now where we would definitely get an A-plus. The C-plus is like bouncing along the bottom, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, you, you know, but uh, you have to look at uh, why are they a C plus and why are we an A plus? Uh, uh, we've changed an awful lot of things in this country to make ourselves much more viable from an economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, tax structure to regulatory issues, uh, from uh, to to negotiating the tariffs. Uh, the tariffs were a much bigger problem than anybody realized. But All they had to do is ask me. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, uh, again, when I say anybody realized, I would say that then politicians realized. Yeah, that's a better word. They, 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 didn't, don't, they don't realize a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, that, might, that uh, certainly is probably true, too. Uh, but we just uh, didn't see that uh, politically as, as a, something that somebody would want to tackle. But uh, the president, being a, a uh, businessman, uh, said, "Wait a minute! Uh, you're going to be you're going to be fair, uh, or, or we're not going to play your game." And so he's put an awful lot of pressure on. Uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, the replacement for NAFTA is a really good idea. I think they've cleaned up a lot of the problems uh, around that. Uh, I think they'll do the same thing with Europe, and I think eventually that'll happen for China also. Well, uh, Norbert, actually, in your report, which uh, I I commend you for the opening line of goodbye NAFTA, hello USMCA, uh, which sounds like the beginning of a rock song, uh, but uh, tell us a, a little. Let's have a, a little bit more of a, a conversation regarding NAFTA and the new 
the new NAFTA uh, as to where you feel things have been evened out a bit. And also take into account that, if I'm not mistaken, this only really pertains right now to auto, agriculture, dairy, and does not include the steel industry. Uh, that it, correct. It does not. It also has a lot of implications for energy. Uh, right, right. And so, you know, when, when we get down to all these negotiations, it really is, at, at its essence, it, it's about the auto industry, it's about agriculture, and it's about energy. Uh, right. The other industries are secondary what well, we want to accomplish with those. Uh, and, right. And I would throw in, for instance, uh, 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 let me give you a couple of examples. Um, the U.S. Uh, had if uh, a 10-year period uh, where drugs were prote- uh, protected, uh, new drugs. Uh, the uh, Canadians had an eight-year period and Mexico had a five-year period. So uh, it, that would really encourage people to develop new drugs in Mexico because they come off the, of uh, uh, the list much quicker in doing that. Now all three are using 10 years as the basis for that. And, you know, I, I look at this from the standpoint of North America is now a true marketplace, uh, maybe not totally true, but but uh, closer by, by any means. Um, North America is a marketplace where you can get high-quality products, you can get uh, less expensive labor. Uh, you know, one of the provisions of, of the uh, new agreement is uh, that uh, anybody in the auto industry is going to make a minimum of $16 an hour. Uh, well, compared to Detroit, that's still cheap, but compared to uh, $10 an hour and t- taking that kind of a uh, labor advantage, uh, that's a big difference. And so we're equalizing those things, and it gives us the mechanism for continuing to do that, that that $16 an hour, I don't know how they're going to weight that, but I would assume that it, that's not a permanent rate at the low end. So uh, there's a, the, a lot of things that are getting cleaned up in, in all of this. Uh, now, I, is the steel and aluminum industry taking a bigger hit? Uh, yes. Uh, Norbert, I'm just curious. Uh, you were talking about the Asian market, and I kind of want to look at all the markets in relation to, from their eyes, trying to sell things into the U.S. right now. You know, manufacturers are manufacturing goods overseas. They'd love to export them into the U.S. What's been the impact of tariffs on the manufacturers outside the U.S. trying to sell goods into the U.S.? Have some of those been resolved, or is this really just a... Uh, a China-Mexica, a China-Russia standoff. Uh, it's probably more the the latter. Uh, I, I had uh, last month the headline out of the uh, Taipei Times, uh, which is uh, the biggest newspaper in Taiwan, and they were, had polled a number of steel producers in Taiwan, talked about tariffs, and said this is going to happen, and their attitude was. Uh, uh, if uh, if the tariffs make things eaten, uh, uh, 
impossible to, imp- to implement economically, then we'll just sell our steel somewhere else. Right. And they they weren't worrying about it. So, you know, I, I think uh, businesses uh, all have long worked to their own benefit, and that's what they're supposed to do. And so I think uh, uh, that's an awful lot of what's happening is that people are going to other places. The, the other thing is, uh, there, there, while there's a lot that winds up on the trade rolls and so on, there's a lot of things that... Uh, for instance, I, I think Procter and Gamble has like 90 plants offshore. So in many cases, they're not exporting; they're they're not uh, sending product uh, uh, from here overseas. They're making right, it right. there, and many others have done done the same thing. So I think the sure. impact on us is much less. And you know, the last few years, the Chinese have, have had a concerted effort to try to uh, uh, build capacity in the U.S., uh, particularly Foxconn up in Wisconsin, you know, putting in a major facility. I haven't seen the, uh, anything on that recently, but um, certainly they committed to that, and I assume that, uh, that that's in the works from a design standpoint. Uh, you've got some other Chinese plants uh, in South Carolina and other places that uh, they've recognized they need to do business here. Uh, so uh, I, I think, uh, again, supply chains and supply chain risk, uh, you got to take care of yourself, and so you go do what you need to do uh, in order to guarantee supply at uh, cost-effective prices. Uh, Norbert, uh, I want to leave you with a question before we take a short commercial break. Uh, I'd like to talk about new export orders versus imports. And I couldn't help but notice that over the last three months, we have been exporting more than importing, which is a great way to offset the balance of payments. And perhaps the administration should be talking more about that and advising manufacturers and so on on what benefits and what uh, incentives there are to impose, uh, to look to do more export business. So on that note, that's a long question. We'll give you about 45 seconds to figure the answer, even though I know you have it at the fingertips. So bear with us one moment. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Excellence. It's what separates good companies from average ones. This year's theme for the AME International Conference in San Diego is Create Waves of Excellence. Gain insights from keynote speakers, including innovation expert Jeremy Gucci, former NFL quarterback Joe Theismann, lean author and researcher Mike Rother, and leadership pro Liz Weissman. Witness operational excellence in person at Plant Tours from San Diego's diverse, innovative manufacturing community. Don't miss the opportunity to accelerate your journey toward excellence this fall in San Diego. Visit ame.org San Diego for more information and to register. We look forward to seeing you in San Diego. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're back. And I left a question for Norbert regarding the last three months import-export numbers and how all of a sudden we seem to be having a run on new export business. Norbert, your comments? 
Okay, yeah, uh, I think this is an example of where uh, supply chains solve their own problems. Uh, uh, what, what one would expect or uh, should expect, I think, given the circumstances, is that we would see our exports falling uh, and imports falling. Both of them are remaining fairly strong. If we look, though, down specifically, the five industries that are reporting export growth are petroleum and coal products, miscellaneous manufacturing, which is everything from jewelry to sporting goods, uh, uh, everything that's unclassifiable. Mm -hmm. uh, Non-metallic non mineral products, which is a, a nice way of saying glass, stone, and aggregate uh, industries, uh, chemical products, and computer and electronics. Those are the only five industries that are showing growth in exports, so it's it's fairly narrow. Uh, it, primary metals, uh, fabricated metals, th those uh, we usually see uh, uh, in the list of those that are growing their exports somewhat not really happening right now. If we kind of take the same look at uh, imports, uh, the uh, industries reporting growth in imports are apparel, miscellaneous, plastics, computer and electronic, food and beverage, furniture, petroleum, non-metallic mineral products again, and, and chemicals. Uh, those reporting a decrease are paper products, electrical equipment, and fabricated metal, and primary metals. So uh, it's really a division. And, and again, uh, yeah. probably the metals industry has been uh, hurt more uh, than uh, agriculture would be in the same group. Agriculture has been hurt quite heavily, uh, and the sooner you get uh, we get this behind us, the better off it's going to be. Yeah, it seems as though uh, the import and export numbers are not comparing the same uh, same product for product within those two groups. Uh, that being said, part of the um, um, what I was talking about before about that this is a good way to offset uh, balance of payments uh, instead of imposing tariffs, perhaps there should be national incentives that they used to have to incentivize exporting. And the government has all kinds of programs, but uh, like all governments, they really don't pump it out there to the degree that they should and educate the people. Um, exporting today is not the same bad bugaboo that it was 20 years ago. Uh, it's it's no, no more difficult than selling a domestic customer today. Um, and I, I think that there are not enough manufacturers that understand that. Well, and I think uh, one of the problems that we deal with, Lou, is when business uh, is good, as it is right now, uh, um, um, the, uh, American producers are not as interested in going out and finding export business. Uh, I agree 100%. You know, I was involved with a, a, a company doing some consulting work that did uh, pole transformers for the utility industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just wonder with uh, these storms that we've had, how many pole transformers, the, you know, 
the, the typical market might be uh, fifty to a hundred thousand a year, and this year that could be easily taken up by these storms uh, very, very quickly. Well, maybe so that's I, I the way we I get blame, rid of. Yeah. <laughs> that's maybe that's I, I, how we I, get rid of old products. Well, and I think you. Uh, uh, you, you make a great point. Uh, anytime you tax something, you get less of it. Anytime you encourage, uh, put incentives in place, you, you get you can get more of it. So uh, take the taxes away, uh, and that's really what we're looking at. The other thing is uh, the ISM data is a little bit re- restricted in this because it's not volume. You know, we don't know whether that's ten billion dollars worth of business or or $500 million worth of mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so it's not uh, uh, not a good read on volume. It's a good read on change. Norbert, I'm Norbert, curious what? about the, the Eurozone, which has been doing well. I see that Greece is doing surprisingly well from their doldrums. Um, and I'm just curious how they're, you know, how are manufacturers adjusting to uh, Brexit, since it looks like it could be a hard Brexit. Yeah, uh, well, they're going to make it hard, whether it should be or not, is uh, <laughs> another. Uh, the, the politics uh, of, of all of that, uh, just they're, they're struggling with that. Uh, but, it, you know, if you look at uh, the individual countries, uh, within uh, the UK, uh, you find that uh, you know Ireland has a fairly decent manufacturing base, uh, so, some electronics-based, uh, some distribution-based because they've had lower. You know they've only got uh, like 10% income tax uh, for uh, manufacturing, so uh, they've been much better uh, in promoting that. Uh, certainly, uh, the UK. Uh, or, or England has uh, done well from a labor standpoint to their employment. They, they've had chronic unemployment, and they've been able to break through some of that, uh, though things continue to slow down uh, in in the U.K. Uh, Scotland uh, is really not much of a force in terms of manufacturing. It, it, when you talk to the U.K., you really talk about England and uh, Ireland more than any others. Um, the uh, or not, I'm sorry, Ireland's not in the in the uh, in the UK. Uh, but it's been uh, much more difficult for those countries uh, because they don't have a big manufacturing base, of, uh, but they're trying to to build that within the EU. Uh, uh, surprisingly, the Netherlands and Austria hold up extremely well. Uh, they've got niche, you know, obviously uh, uh, niche products and niche industries that uh, they're involved with, uh, deep involvement with the energy industries. Uh, so we continue to see them uh, benefit from that. Spain and uh, France and Italy are another story. Uh, they have huge debt, uh, large social programs. Uh, very difficult for them to, uh, to to really build a robust economy without a huge amount of change, which they appear not to be willing to make. 
Okay, uh, we're going to take another quick commercial break here, Norbert. And when we come back, I, I know that Lou is always anxious to talk to you about uh, his favorite country in the world, uh, Brazil of South America. So we'll go to South America from the uh, UK and the EU right after this quick commercial break. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Hi, this is Lou Weiss. Some of you know me as Lou Weiss with the yellow jacket, but today I'm president of All Metals and Forge Group. We are proud and pleased to be the sponsors for Manufacturing Talk Radio and for WAM, Women and Manufacturing, since 2013. AMFG is an open-die forge facility and a producer of seamless rolled rings since 1972. Most of the metal families are available in our inventory for production to help keep down delivery times due to mill deliveries of raw stock. We also specialize in machined, large, and complex forged parts. So give us a look at steelforge.com, our website, or give us a call at 973-276-5000. Send us your inquiries, your drawings, and specifications. Our quoting turnaround time is usually less than 24 hours hours to help you get your job from your client. Give us a try. We're almost doing this 50 years of partnering with our clients. We'd like to partner with you as well. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And off to South America. Off to to Brazil. Brazil, Uh, third, third lowest ranked country in your study. At right. 50.9. Right. And, you know, they've got to make changes uh, politically. Uh, I think they have an election coming up. They do. Uh, and uh, the, the only problem is everybody always in Brazil says, well, we've got an election coming up, and, and uh, that's going to solve all of our problems. And then <laughs> the election gets here, and afterwards uh, it doesn't seem to solve anything. Uh, except one more uh, government that struggles to to do that. You know, Brazil's in kind of the worst of all positions. Geographically, they're disadvantaged, uh, with the exception of doing business with other South American countries where it's difficult to establish credit and uh, credibility uh, along with that. Uh, You know, this month uh, Brazil was at 509 uh, and that's down two-tenths of a point uh, from August, so not a lot of change taking place. Uh, they're caught with pricing pressures. Uh, their uh, price increases uh, uh, on a lot of things that they buy on, on the global uh, stage uh, going up in price on them. Uh, their own ability to, to get price increases is difficult. Uh, they, uh, they're dependent uh, on the U.S. dollar and uh, being able to trade in the U.S. dollar. So if, with a strong dollar, it makes their products much more difficult to, uh, for them to, to sell. Uh, so the broad range of, uh, of challenges uh, that uh, they, they don't seem to, you know, uh, uh, I always uh, remember hearing the thing about um, a lot of people want to change their circumstances, but they don't want to change themselves. And, and uh, <laughs> I would say that applies to Brazil. Is they're 
they really want to change their circumstances, but they don't want to change how, who they are or what they are or how they are, uh, from lifestyle and everything else. So uh, it's hard to predict a, a change. Uh, there, there is a certain confidence uh, in Brazil. 71% of their panelists this past month uh, said they're anticipating growth. Um, so that, that, that's a plus, but uh, they they have certainly have a, a large number of challenges, Lou, that uh, uh, they seem not to be able to deal with. Uh, they need an inspirational and uh, leader that uh, can convince them that uh, they've got to put up with some short-term pain to get a long-term gain. How about getting rid of the crim- the criminality that exists in that country's government? Yeah, that that uh, that's one of the most difficult things there is anywhere, right? Right. Uh, changing the culture of the uh, of the government, and of course, South America's got some really bad examples of uh, uh, changing the culture in the wrong direction. Uh, and so you're you're just not going to get a uh, again. If if I were looking at where I wanted to do business. There would be other places, I think, globally that I would want to try to establish a, a stronghold. Why didn't you tell me that before I did that three years ago, opening an office in uh, Rio? <laughs> uh, uh, I apologize. I owe you one. <laughs> yeah, you weren't up on your toes on that one. Uh, but it, it was interesting. Uh, I mean, we did a fair amount of business, but uh, um, it's a unique way of doing business, let's put it that way. And I'll say no more about it. And, and we'll stay unique, uh, barring, uh, a, like I said, a transformational leader that, uh, right. uh, you know, uh, but they will destroy uh, in, in the fashion that we see in other places, destroy good leadership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no question about it. So let's come home to the good old U.S. of A. where we have a transformational leader and start talking about some of the regional surveys. I know that there's a couple that you like to follow, Nobert, which are quite key in a PMI world at the moment that is in the high, high 50s. Yeah. uh, Not only are our numbers good, Tim, uh, in terms of what the U.S. is doing, uh, but like I said, first we got to look at we've got a North American marketplace now. Uh, the U.S. is not only doing well, but uh, Canada uh, is doing quite well at 54.8 this month, uh, and uh, that is very strong for Canada. Their their top uh, reading I think was uh, only 56 or 57 in the past, so. Uh, 54.8 is quite strong. Mexico will pop up. Me- Mexico's been struggling this year. Before that, uh, things were fairly good. But, uh, but last year has been uh, soft for Mexico, and uh, I expect them to come up. And, and that big, again, that's that North American marketplace where we have a lot more, uh, if not free trade, at least fair trade taking place uh, across the system. Then you get down into the U.S. surveys that uh, that I follow. Uh, the first one would be the, the Dallas Fed. 
Uh, it came in at 56.6, very strong reading, and uh, that's a, a full manufacturing outlook at the state of Texas. And Texas uh, is, is about the 12th largest economy in the world, so uh, it's very significant from that standpoint. I also like to follow Milwaukee because it's a great read on uh, durable goods. And Milwaukee's at 56.2 this past month, but it was in the 60s for four months before that. Um, Western Washington uh, is a good survey, and it's at 63.6, so the Northwest. And I like to think of Western Washington as kind of being the Boeing survey. Uh, Boeing has <laughs> a couple hundred uh, major suppliers in that part and really is the manufacturing for the northwest region basically uh, i like to look at uh, houston uh, again houston is different than than dallas uh, houston is energy dallas is partly energy but it's also other uh, consumer goods and so on and houston came in at 57.1 uh, good good reading there uh, the Philly Fed and the Empire Fed both are above 55, uh, indicating strength. Uh, everything domestically, uh, uh, these are certainly uh, good times as far as uh, U.S. manufacturing. Uh, we've taken the, the uh, controls uh, that were inhibiting significant growth. Uh, we now are favoring making the auto industry, agriculture, uh, making those particularly strong. Uh, and I, I think uh, if we can get past the, the issues on steel tariffs and so on, uh, you'll see an e even stronger U.S. economy. Well, that's about as good as it gets, Lou. I think so. I think so. So we're going to take just a, a short break here for a moment, and uh, we'll be finishing up this segment with a couple of uh, additional comments. So stick with us. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay, we're back. And Norbert, uh, everything just seems uh, fine. It's moving really nicely. Um, and I know that economists generally do not like making forecasts. So I'm not going to ask you for a forecast. I'm going to ask you a different question. Where are we going? I uh, I think we're, we're we're going in the right direction. We're we're doing a lot of the good things that we need to do. Uh, if we can hover around three to four percent growth, we can keep employment high. 
we can raise the level of prosperity, which really is the, the debate that we have on a national basis. Uh, how do you get to uh, prosperity? We tried, uh, you know, eight years of trying to get there based on, well, we'll never be that strong again. Uh, we create our, you know, create our own prosperity, and I think that's an important part of all this. Uh, in, you know, uh, looking ahead, uh, barring anything that we do or the Fed does, uh, we, we should have continued growth. It's not not going to stay as high as it is right now. It can't. Uh, uh, you know, uh, just it just can't maintain that level. But it can maintain a very solid level for a lengthy period of time. So. Uh, I, I think we have a lot more to look forward to. Uh, again, if, uh, if if we don't ruin it ourselves through the election <laughs> process, or uh, the Fed, uh, you know, the, the Fed doesn't have a great track record when it comes to to doing these things. And uh, as long as they don't get ahead of themselves or take get us ahead of ourselves, we'll be okay. Well, we may wind up getting rid of the Fed. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> You know, that's not as strange as it uh, sounds to, uh, you know. Uh, I've heard it spoken people, about. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would say that. I I, I think it's important that uh, there's more than just the, what they do, setting interest rates and so on. Uh, I do think uh, they uh, – uh, one of the things I haven't liked is when they started announcing what, how many times they're going to do this. I think the market was better off when the Fed said, we're not going to tell you what our plans are. Right, uh, I agree with you. Most of the time, they don't stay stick with the plan, and therefore they've given people a false sense of security. Right, you are. Right, you are. So it's been a great report. Uh, and we love having you on, uh, Norbert, every month. And, uh, Jim, you can wrap it up. We'll wrap it up with thanking Norbert Orr for being with us again. Norbert, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who's our senior international correspondent who follows 18 global surveys all around the world and several in the U.S., This report can be found on mfgtalkradio.com, where our entire body of work exists. There you'll also find uh, several news articles that pop up every day, along with a link over to our sister show, which is Women in Manufacturing, WAM, which is at womenandmfg.com. Be sure to tune into those excellent interviews of accomplished women interviewing accomplished women. And that wraps us up for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again with you next week. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.